Welcome to the Open Pantry Podcast for yet another episode. Amazing to have you as part of this podcast. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, today's a really special day as part of the American series that I've been doing uh, the last six months or so. I've been able to connect with such great people. And today is no exception. I'm so blessed to talk to Randy Weiner, the founder of Chronic Tacos, and also Michael Muhammad, the CEO of Chronic Tacos. Gentlemen, how are you both? Great, great. Thanks for having us. Doing good, Sean. Thank you. Amazing. Now, guys, when I um, when I reached out, I didn't actually quite know um, how big um, the business actually was, and I didn't realize it actually resonated in, in three different countries. Now, now, Randy, obviously, you founded you founded the business as we just talked about. Then, like, how did you actually start Chronic Tacos? Like, where did it actually all begin? Sure, Newport Beach, California. Amazing. <laughs> and when was that? That was in two thousand and two. Okay. And and what made you want to what made you want to start the brands back in two thousand and two? Yeah, you know, I was living at the beach in Newport, and Amazing. There, there was not a really good like taqueria. That was near my house there. Uh, the closest one was, you know, over a mile away. And, you know, what the service wasn't that good. The, you know, the restaurant was a little bit dirty, a little grungy. But, you know, there was just no good Mexican food, like a fast casual in, in mm-hmm. my little area, in my neighborhood. Amazing. And, and was that your sort of first delve into hospitality or you'd worked in hospitality before? That was my first, uh, my first time. First restaurant. Wow. Fantastic. And Michael, when did you come on board and, and become the CEO of Chronic? Uh, I got, I came on board in 2012. Uh, okay. So in 2010, my brothers and I were living in Vancouver and we helped finance the uh, franchisee who was opening in Canada. Okay. And through that, I met Randy and, um, you know, we, we stayed in contact and a couple of years later, uh, my brothers and I, we stepped in to buy a controlling uh, share of the company, mm-hmm. and um, I made the decision to move down here and take on the role of CEO. Amazing. And how did it, Randy, when, when you started the brand in 2002, and obviously you've got, as I've sort of seen, over 100 locations now, like, how did... How did that begin momentum? Like, what was what were a couple of the challenges in the early days in order to get it to the second and third store? Oh, uh, you know, there was a lot of challenges. You know, we we learned a lot from our first location. You mm-hmm. know, it took us twelve months to to build it. Now it takes three months. Um, right. So, so you know, uh, going from architects, you know, not knowing how to design a restaurant, you know, to yes. learning the hard way, having a couple different architects on the project different contractors. Um, you know, it was a, a lot of lessons learned in the very beginning. Um, I mm-hmm. think everything that went on went wrong, you know, went wrong. And we learned from it opening up our second and third, our second location, we opened about two years later and wow. uh, a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, we opened that one in about three to four months of construction, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, you know, just knowing all the details, it was, it was really hard. There was a lot of things that we missed in the beginning and that we learned from. Yeah, as you always do, I've seen so many brands, um, Randy and, and Michael, scale just just so poorly in those sort of early stages. And I find that sort of the third or the fourth site is really the one that either makes them or breaks them. Did you sort of did you sort of find that was that was the case in those early days, in those early years? 
You know, we did really well with our first store um, after uh-huh. we, we started operating. And, and I think what set us apart was once we got written up in the local paper, uh, Interesting. You know, it, it went crazy. You know, we had lines wrapped around the building. And mm-hmm. the second one that we opened um, was in the next beach city over in Huntington Beach. And mm-hmm. that was our real kind of, you know, is this going to work or not? We're in a different city. And that was where we were like, if this takes off on our second store, I think we might have something here. And uh, we, we sure enough, we opened up and, and our, our name was was, you know, already known in that area. People were driving from Huntington Beach to Newport Beach for the first taco shop. And, um, and it opened up with a line out the door. And, well, wait. you know, that's when we were like, okay, I think we got something here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you really, you really do start to run into that as you get, uh, you know, into your, you grow into your 20th location. And that's when you start mm. to, I think that's when you start to get to that hump where, are you getting consistency in the brand? Are you, you maintaining consistency in the culture? You know, are you able to build these out with a consistent feel and deliver that? And that, you know, and I think that's where you, you start to see that challenge. And and that's where we really worked hard when we were at about 25 stores to mm-hmm. really get concise in our branding, really get concise in our design and build out. And, you know, our training, our manuals, building a platform, you know, that allows you to, to scale. Because you can scale to about 20 restaurants, you know, you know, just grinding it out. But once you get over that, it gets really difficult. You're you're going to run into geographical issues, uh, distribution issues, design of issues. Course. So um, mm-hmm. and then just being really concise on your brand. Was um, how, how early on did you actually franchise the brand? Was it was it in the pretty early stages or was it only in the latter latter years that you've done that? Uh, we we franchised in 2006. Okay. Um, you know, it was kind of a, uh, a, a, I guess, a bit of a slow start. And then it started to gain momentum. A lot of it was just people who were fans of the brand, saw how successful these were doing. They wanted to open one in their town. Um, and, you know, we had some really good ones. We had some disappointments. I mean, that's what happens early on. Mm, um, of course. But you know, we were we've been franchising since 2006. I think mm-hmm. a lot of momentum in that our growth has taken place probably in the last since 2014, 15. Um, okay. Do you, in Australia, like we've got uh, the probably Mexican trend in in QSR and fast food probably started roughly 2010, 2011, from what I can sort of see, and we've got probably four to five major players in Australia um, that, that make up about probably about 80% of the market. Mm-hmm. I know that obviously Mexican and, and where you guys play is such a competitive, even more competitive space in America, obviously. Like how do you make sure that you guys aren't a me too brand, that you're actually doing something different in the marketplace to keep customers and franchisees and your staff interested? Well, you know, we being founded in California, you, you know, it doesn't get much more competitive than here when it comes to uh, Mexican restaurants. You know, we're competing with anyone from a taqueria to fine dining to, you know, a new concept coming out all the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of these guys, 
you know, they've got some really original, cool ideas. Um, you know, when you're doing one location initially, you can, you're a little bit more nimble for change and adaptation. Uh, for us, we've always really stuck to the fact that we're, we're based on third generation recipes. The whole concept was founded around, you know, elevating the taqueria in a sense. Yes. You know, we wanted to take that, the, 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 the flavor and the, the menu that you would get in a traditional taqueria and elevate it. better customer service, a fun atmosphere, art, music playing. You know, mm -hmm. give it a little bit of a um, an edge, I guess. And mm -hmm. so we've always maintained that third generation recipes as our differentiator. Our food is um, makes us different than your standard QSR. Uh, I would call it like safe Mexican food where we are sure. safe flavors, you know, basic flavors where we are more third generation um a lot more flavorful. It's such an interesting point, Michael, because I think the the challenge with brands as they scale, especially when you get to, you know, three figure scaling like you guys are now, is the flavors that people use are just so they become so broad mm -hmm. and and they just become so normal and they and the brand sort of loses its essence of what it was actually started for and it doesn't have that punch that it used to have and and it must be a challenge for you guys to continue to do that as you continue to grow the brand, like have those ingredients that, that really punch through that what your customers wanted in 2002. Uh, it is. And it's also regional as we've grown into different yeah. regions. You know, we've mm -hmm. got, you know, in California, there's an expectation on Mexican food. And when we have gone to the, the uh, Southeast of, of the U S there, there's some slight variations on, what they want and we have to be willing to ad adapt so long as it still fits our flavor profile sure. um you know it can't be everything to everyone uh but you know we we are always looking at our menu and and really focusing on the core being our tacos our burritos our bowls that's what we you know that that is what we sell the most of mm -hmm. and so if we're to elevate that and, and take that up we are looking at how do we improve that without losing, you know, the flavor. Yeah, absolutely. Now, very unique um, with Chronic is the fact that you're in, you're in America, you're in Canada, and you're in Japan, which I thought was really, a really interesting play. Can you sort of talk to that for a little bit and just let us understand how that sort of came about to be in, in all those three territories? Sure. You know, uh, Canada came about prior to us getting involved. And, and as I said, that kind of led to us becoming involved in yes. the business. And so it was a natural, it's a natural for us. We have half of, you know, we've got a portion of our office in Canada. Uh, mm -hmm. We're working on developing that. That's our neck, you know, that's part of our neck of the woods. So we're in mm -hmm. British Columbia, Alberta. We're going to be expanding into Manitoba as well. Um, and so we're, we're seeing expansion in Canada and it was a, we that's able we're able to support that mm -hmm. Japan came about somewhat differently uh they want they're a master franchise and so they mm -hmm. essentially are responsible for you know all the operations uh distribution marketing growing the brand we're really just offering support on 
uh, from a licensing point of view, make sure that they're, you know, they're, they're provided all the tools they need, but sure. um, it's fairly hands off at that point. And, you know, we, we had looked at expanding overseas. Um, we've looked at Australia and Japan was the first one where we thought, well, similar they have similar business styles to the more of the Western countries like Australia or, or yep. the U S. And so that seemed like a natural fit and we have a really great partner there. And mm-hmm. um, we've opened three locations uh, and, you know, it's, it's a new product there. I mean, there's really nobody doing no. that. I mean, we're one of the first uh, fast, casual Mexican restaurants in Japan. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, you know, that's, that's takes time to build, but, um, you know, the reception has been, been really good and I think it'll continue to grow. Do you think, um, do you think Southeast Asia is going to be, um, sort of a big play for, for Mexican in the next sort of two to three years? And the reason why I say that is because, uh, I worked with a brand called Four Fingers Crispy Chicken out of Singapore that, that came to Australia, I launched them here in Australia. And last year they bought a, a a sizable stake in a in a Mexican brand called Mad Max here in Australia, and they're going to make a play to go to Southeast Asia, Vietnam, Thailand, Singapore, with that brand. Um, and I found it quite interesting when I've spent some time in Singapore, especially, is that is that burgers of burgers are a very big part of that market, but Mexican was coming through. Do you think do you think that's where the sort of next amount of units will come for the brand as long as you've got a, a great master franchisor, as you said? I do. And, you know, we've had mm-hmm. a lot of interest from uh, the Philippines and Vietnam in particular. Sure. And um, so we are currently exploring those markets, just trying yep. to find the right, obviously the right master franchisor is, is crucial because mm-hmm. um, you're, you're, you know, it's a sizable investment to grow a brand. Yes, totally. <laughs> So we're talking a lot, uh, Michael and Randy, about about strategy in hospitality, uh, and that's something that sometimes is fantastic and sometimes lacks. Like, how do you balance strategy with uh, the emotional sort of decision making in your business to make sure that you're always thinking with your heart and your head? Um, I think that's where you kind of have Randy and I. So mm. I'm more on the strategic and Randy's really at the heart side of it. And so it's really nice because Randy brings the heart of what founded the restaurant and that passion of what was the, what was the passion behind the brand when you first started it and what was making it successful. And I look at it from the strategic point of view of, you know, I'm always looking at, you know, what can we get done in the next three years, you know, look three years out and then sure. kind of break that down Um and from a franchisor point of view, we want to be really strategic about how we grow and, and, you know, who are you bringing on to the team and how do you manage, you know, your GNA and your costs with your expansion? Um, all these things are, are, are key uh, things that come into play as you're growing and then really looking at the numbers and, and being strategic about where we want to go and, and, um, looking at our product mix, looking at our pricing strategy, uh, where are things with labor and how do we, you know, how do you plan for the changing labor markets and how do you, mm-hmm. how do you maintain your culture within, you know, a growing brand, you know, where you have a number of franchisees who will have, 
their own subculture within your culture. And, and you want to make sure that you maintain that because it's, uh, it's really the essence of your brand. And mm. so for us, we're, we're, it's a balance, you know, you have to, you have to, uh, it's, you know, in this business, there, there has to be a passion and you, you, you know, you are putting your heart into it. And at the same time, you've got to be really smart and strategic about how you grow. Yeah, totally. Randy, Randy, when you walk into ven- your venues now, like, how do you get your, your gut feel, your smell test on, on where that store's sort of, sort of sitting for you? So it replicates what you started in, in 2002. Yeah, it, you know, it feels really good. Um, it, mm. You know, we've evolved and I think uh, a successful brand evolves. And I, I feel that seeing what, you know, what, I, what we started, you know, almost 18 years ago, Mm. Uh, to now it feels really good it feels great to to go into the stores you know we were just in florida on a store tour and you know on the you know from the east coast to the west coast the similarities and 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 the consistency of the food and and having great operators in the stores it it feels great i I love it i get warm and fuzzy every time i go in (laughs) that's always a good sign then isn't it yeah um um, are you guys, obviously we talked about at the start, California especially is, is such a microcosm for, for amazing food and uh, where a lot of amazing brands start their journey. Are you, are you seeing anything throughout your trips in America and Canada, especially at the moment that you're thinking could tap on into the Western countries that's new, any kind of new crazes, any new cuisines that you're seeing popping? You know, there's a lot of... <sighs> There, there is a lot of um, different concepts starting. You know, here yep. uh, you're seeing a lot of growth in ethnic cuisine. So whether yes. it's Mediterranean, whether it's Indian, you know, for us, Mexican is uh, a staple in California. But as you get outside of California and the other states, it's more, it, it's less prevalent. So, you know, mm-hmm. you're, I think people are looking for more flavor. I think people are looking for more creativity. Um, fast casual, like you're seeing stuff that is quality of a sit down full service restaurant, you know, and, yes. and mm-hmm. the, not just the flavor, but the aesthetics of it and how it's presented. And I think people want more and more from that. And, uh, the fast casual is a platform for some of these, um, I think what would have been more full service restaurants years ago are, are are starting to get into the fast casual technology is changing. Mm-hmm. You know, we're seeing a lot with uh, third party delivery is a big thing in the U S with DoorDash and Uber Eats, you know, and so restaurants are having to navigate that. And how do you make that profitable with the fees that they charge? And, and yep. how do you, um, how do you make, you know, when you're looking at technology and kiosks and uh, what, you know, how does that fit in? Is that, going to help you reduce labor is it an extra step uh that is maybe unnecessary you know there's a lot of things i think that are being worked through right now i don't think uh for us i don't think kiosks are quite there where you're able to really reduce your labor costs Mm -hmm. but it might push flow through a little bit better so sure you know so we're looking at that um you know a lot of changing technologies in the kitchen you know, we, we have to follow trends. We're looking at, you know, we're, we're designed to be very, you know, uh, customized and yes. build as you go. But, you know, that 
that is changing as well. And we're looking at how do we move more people and maybe we need to be looking at um, having tacos and, you know, pre-built and less customized because, you know, we're building something where we know that, that flavor profile is bang on. You know, yeah. sometimes mm -hmm. when you, you've given the reins to the customer, the challenge can be them building a taco that is you, as you're building it, you know, completely that they've mixed the wrong flavors together and it may not be as good as it should be. Sure. And so how do you take control of that and, uh, and, and provide in knowing that you can provide the customer a better product? Mm. I was going to ask me, you talked about a lot of things there in regards to third party delivery and, and customization and, and those kind of things, labor control. How do you, how do you, how do you strategically make sure that something is a trend so it's worth putting your time, your money, your effort into try to be first to market or something's a fad and it's, and it's going to go away quickly, like a, you know, like a fourth or a fifth delivery platform that's going to come through or, you know, a, a kiosk set up that's going to take away, you know, potentially a staff member or redirect that staff member's attention. Like, how do you how do you, how do you guys sort of work out those decisions within the business and for your franchisees? Well, you know, we have a process that with any change we will do in technology, we test through our own stores. Yeah. Um, and we watch things and and you know, we may not jump on something even if we think it's not going to be a trend. I mean, I don't think kiosks are going to be a trend. I think the kiosk mm. is the way of the future. I just think it's possibly too soon for our us to be stepping in until mm -hmm. we really see the results uh from you know you let the bigger uh brands you know play with those figure it out mm -hmm. and and then you can kind of you can come in after once that's yes. figured out yeah. um, once it's already normalized to a degree <laughs> yeah and you know we we you know we recognize trends and we'll follow it you know a, a good example is what's really popular and obviously i'm sure you guys are seeing it too is this plant-based proteins with beyond yes. meat yes so we were one of the first to test this in restaurants uh we tested it over two years ago mm -hmm. and um we liked it we knew it was going to uh take off it was yep. something that wasn't catching right away and and possibly that part of that is just that we were not you know we didn't have the say the main stage as some of these bigger brands have to promote yes. it. Mm -hmm. uh, but we, uh, we tested it. We, and then when we started to feel that the supply chain was stronger, um, we got back involved. And so we were early, we were, we were probably the first Mexican restaurant to launch it. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we were launching it prior to, you know, the company going public and all these other bigger brands, you know, jumping on with that and so mm -hmm. it's been something that's successful but we tested it we worked out the kinks and then when we saw that the opportunity was good to go brand wide we did and um and then you've just seen it blow up from there yeah of course um i was gonna ask as well like we've got a we've got a very saturated market with um with the delivery space at the moment in australia um, and there's and there's coming to a point now where we're getting pushback from venues saying, you know, we don't want to pay that percent anymore. We don't want to, um, we want to try and bring customers back to our to our stores, which is just challenge now because customers have been used to convenience for the last two to three years. Where where is that playing out in America? Is it is it how are you guys feeling about the delivery landscape? 
you know, the delivery, third-party delivery is an inevitable part of your business. Yeah, it's a difficult mm-hmm. challenge for restaurants with the the uh, the fees that they charge. Yes, you know, they can be up to thirty percent. Yes, um, so they're thirty-five here in Australia. Yeah, so as a restaurant, <laughs> it, you know that's that's your margin, and mm-hmm. and you've got to figure out ways to um, not only ensure that you can be profitable at it, but you also got to make sure that you can deliver a good product. You know. Yeah, tacos are a challenge to deliver. Uh, they mm-hmm. they just don't hold. Burritos are great. Bowls are great. So yep. we are we you know we're going to be spending a lot of time just working with packaging and and product mix to to um, to see how we approach this as we go forward. And, and when I say product mix too, you're looking at what are your what are the items that you're most profitable on, and maybe yes. some of these items that your margins are tight. You don't offer on third-party delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, it's currently ten to fifteen percent of our business. I think it's mm-hmm. become thirty percent. I just don't think you can. You can. It's not going to stop, is it? It's not going to mm-hmm. stop, but mm-hmm. I think prices will come down eventually. I mm-hmm. mean, we're seeing a saturation of it as well. Uh, yep. You're seeing big brands go with just picking one, and you know, I think. Uh, Interesting. McDonald's is DoorDash or something like that. You're seeing that here now where they, you know, they're, they're running with one. And so um, that may be where it goes. Uh, mm-hmm. We have franchises and uh, we have franchisees who don't want to do it yet. They still feel the cost is too high. And, and, sure. and we have some that do. So I just think that you can't ignore it. It's a, you know, it's, it's, it is, it's not a trend. This is uh, a, a way that people want to order and they're willing to pay more for it. So as long as they're willing to pay for it, it's going to keep the gr- keep growing. Yeah, totally agree. So you guys have now got a brand that's, as you said before, Randy's nearly been around for 18 years. You're in, you're in three different uh, countries around the world. Where do you think next for Chronic Tacos? Well, we're going to continue to grow in the regions that we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got big expansion plans in Canada. We've got a great partner in Japan. I think that uh, as we grow in Japan, that's going to lead to other, um, other markets shows. through Asia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Other are Asian markets. And then in the U S we're, you know, we're really building out the West coast and we've had a lot of success in the Southeast with in the Southeast States, like Florida, North Carolina, mm-hmm. Georgia, we're going to continue to, uh, build our brand there mm-hmm. um, and then hopefully maybe australia someday i think uh, i hope so too <laughs> that would be a great market for us yep um a lot of similarities with our brand i think in the australian culture so uh, yeah i think i think i think definitely i think california and brisbane especially and gold coast are very very similar so i think um i think that would be a, a great place for you guys to start so i look forward to it um, and I'll, and I'll be in, I'll be in America and especially in the West coast, hopefully in, in April or May next year. So I look, I look forward to going into one of your venues and maybe catching up with you guys. So it'd be really fun. Yeah, that'd be that'd awesome. Be awesome. We look forward to it. Um, so guys, what's the best way that people can find out more about, about chronic tacos? Well, you can visit us on our website, at, mm-hmm. uh, uh, follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and uh instagram mm-hmm. and uh we're also on linkedin 
uh, you can find us on all the social network platter, uh, platforms. Uh, it's all under uh, Chronic Tacos. Beautiful. Michael, Randy, thank you so much for your time. I 